It's that time of the week again. You are about to participate in a great adventure. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop? What the hell do you think you're doing? It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris. Oh my God! As they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. I wouldn't do that if I were you. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. It's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. As well as the music of today. Excuse me while I whip this out. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Who are those guys? Digital Kill the Radio Star starts now. Come on, quit stalling! All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Digital Killed the Radio Star podcast. I hope you haven't forgotten about us. It's been a bit since we did one, but we've got a, a great topic this week. But as always, I got my good buddy Chris on the other line. What's going on, David? Man, not much. Not much. It's been a while. It has been. Your, yeah, fa- your it, face hasn't gotten any prettier. Neither has mine, I know. Well, David's got the pirate look going right now. <laughs> um, I, so as soon as we, we get on, we're doing this... Uh, Doing this via Skype, and as soon as we get on, it, immediately I start to say, "Okay, we got to we got to talk about this before I can even get it out." He says, "I know, I have a patch." <laughs> so, um, yeah, hey, David, it at least covers up part David, of my face. David the pirate. It's it's a good look though. Yeah, you know, you, know, you need to uh, you need to take a picture and post that so everybody can see how how. Uh, manly and tough you look wearing an eye patch it, it would have to be some heavy duty ropes for me to swing around on the pirate ship <laughs> oh uh, man well we are what almost three quarters of the way through the year and so far for me it's been one of the best years of new music in a long time you know i probably would have to agree with it with that that statement i think it's been i think it's probably been a it's definitely been one of the best uh, in, in a while, and and maybe the maybe I could at least say the best since we've been doing this podcast. Just because I pulled up every time there's an album that I really like, uh, I that I think could be a, a top ten. I I put it on this list on my phone, and there's a lot of albums on here. Now that doesn't mean I'm blown away by all of them, but it means I like every one of them. And to think that I could easily make a top ten right now. And I've still got new records coming out from Titus Andronicus, Holy Fawn, um, Afghan Wigs. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure both Holy Fawn and Afghan Wigs will be in the top ten. I don't see how they couldn't be. But, yeah, it's been a good year. What's got you in the last uh, few weeks? Um, You know, I've been been looking forward to the new Metallica ever since the other one came out because I thought – 
Dystopia was just such a good album. I mean, Megadeth. Megadeth, yeah. Oh, man. Hope Dave Mustaine's not listening. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the new Megadeth album, and I've been really excited about it since I thought Dystopia was Dystopia was probably my favorite album of theirs since uh, Euthanasia or Cryptic, Cryptic Writings. And because Kiko just brings his guitar playing, it just meshes now with with Mustaine's writing. And I will say this, I really, really like the album. It's about three songs too long. Um, there's a couple of filler tracks, but for the most part, I would give every song on there at least a rating of average. Yeah, I have listened to it one time, and that doesn't mean I disliked it. It just didn't, it didn't blow me away. And I'm going to go back to it. I'm going to listen to it more. Uh, I, I know that that first single that they released is, I heard that, and I was like, oh boy, we're going to get another dystopia level record because that one i told you that song's about probably the first single is probably as good as anything on dystopia it's just insanely good and when i listen to it uh, i certainly don't dislike it i i, I think it it's solid but do you, um, do you like the ice tea song i do yeah i i'm not sure and it's it's funny i, I really like you know i like body count uh and i've said before Anybody who's into anybody who's into uh, hardcore metal type, they really need to, to give. If they haven't really given Body Count a chance, they need to listen to it. That one that they did, uh, Bloodline, is just a phenomenal album. And Dave Mustaine is on that, he, and on the Blood on Bloodline, and he plays a solo on it. And I guess I'm saying all this to say, I like Body Count. I like Ice T. I like. Um, Megadeth, but I, I don't know. It's not. I don't know that it works the most for me, but I, I like the song. Yeah, I think Mustaine said he was repaying the fa- favor um, since he was on that body count one. But I, I, um, Ice T a supposedly is a massive metal fan. He is. Yeah, he's he, he grew up being a metal fan, and he uh, he's done a lot of covers. Uh, I think he usually does a cover every record. Uh, on Bloodline, he did. He did uh, both Raining Blood and Postmortem uh, off of Slater's Raining Blood. And he said before that Slater's one of his favorite metal bands of, of all time. And I know he's, I think he's, I, I think he's into to Sabbath and uh, su- he, I think he loves, he loves Suicidal Tendencies. He said he's into, you know, because Suicidal had a little bit of that street in him too. A little bit of that, that gangster type in him. But yeah, no, he, he's, he's a legit fan and he, he, I've always said I, I, I like if I'm listening to Nice T, I'd rather hear his metal stuff. I think he's better at metal than the, the rap stuff, but I'm just not the hugest rap fan. Are, are you well, uh, are you getting the new Heat album? Yeah, can't wait. Is it? Is there one coming out this year? I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, hey, uh, hey! But uh, first uh, of all, the most important thing that we're going to talk about on this podcast: Florida Georgia Line has broken up. Yeah, that was great news. Um, to quote. That, Garth Brooks, thank God for no, not not unanswered prayers. Thank God for answered <laughs> that prayers. One answered. Yeah, <laughs> that one was answered. That had people that don't believe in God say, "Huh, might need to rethink this thing." <laughs> no, that was very good news. Uh, but you know, with Heat, I've said before, I think by hearing that singer that they had, now that he's with Skid Row and hearing his vocals in Skid Row, made me realize, you know, he really is a good singer. It's just the 
I don't know if he wrote the lyrics or somebody else in the band wrote the lyrics. I, I don't know. But the lyrics were terrible, and the music was really bad. You know, synth-heavy, 80s. You as, know, as generic training as can be. Bully. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 he's training to fight the bully in the 80s flick, and it's in the background as he's training. Just It's just bad music. But the guy can sing. And you know, Skid Row is playing in uh, Tunica, which for people that don't know exactly where I am, I'm in Memphis, and that's not very far for us for me to drive to they're playing i believe this weekend and i would go see them when i didn't really have an interest like that last singer they had i wouldn't have gone to see skid row there's no way i'd have gone but i would go see them but i'm gonna be in a i'm gonna be in santa fe and, and albuquerque who's and playing with them i don't know <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not sure um yeah i'm, I'm really not sure they, i'm sure there's somebody but no i'm gonna be there listening i'm gonna be going to the uh testament Exodus Death Angel show, so a good uh, Bay Area thrash trio. That should be cool. But yeah, as we talk about new music, the one that has really, really been just blown me away is there's a band that that you know, we have one of our one of our loyal listeners who's you know, become a pretty good friend of mine. Uh, we exchange music all the time and. He is the one who introduced me to Holy Fawn, which I said is the greatest recommendation he has given me. And his second best is a band called The Dangerous Summer. And they just released a new record a week ago. And there have been a few things that have come out. And that's part of the reason I'm not listening to the Megadeth a lot. I still can't stop listening to this new The Dangerous Summer record. It's called Coming Home. And it's just incredible it's uh there's just this certain melancholy to it it's uh it's happy sad you know it's a lot of the songs are upbeat but they still feel sad there's just something about them and you know like how bj barn of american aquarium says sad songs they make me happy and uh it's just it's it's a really really cool record if you uh if you want to hear something new give the band a chance it, it's it's hard to really completely compare them to somebody i mean there's definitely hints of emo but not the way you think it is i i, I did read he was hugely influenced by i think bright eyes um my chemical romance jimmy world so there is some emo those are some of the influences but give that band a strong listen and give them a chance anyway i i, I love them and so far the people i've turned them on to I've really, really liked them too. So that's the one that I still am listening to nonstop. But there have been several others, and we'll talk about all of them soon enough, uh, at least our top 10. And next week is going to be a very big one for me because Friday we have the new Afghan wigs coming out. There's another one coming out too Friday that, let's see, because I know I was texting somebody about this the other day, but. Oh, yeah, both the Afghan wigs and Holy Fawn come out next week. So, man, that's going to be a tough one for me to uh, <laughs> be flipping back and forth. A lot of uplifting music there. You got um, Yeah, I guess they're, none of them are the happiest, but oh, well. It's, it's I, remember, I remember one time a couple of years ago, and I forgot what the bands were, but it was like four of my favorite bands all released albums on the same day. And I, I didn't know what to do. 
it's tough. You know, there's an excitement to it, but at the same time, it's better if they are at least a week apart. You know, so yeah. you can have a week to just completely digest it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like this this record this this Danger Summer one came out at haven't given the the Megadeth one much of a chance. Butch Walker released a new one, which uh, Butch Walker I've been a big 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 fan of for many many years, and uh, his last one that he had was I thought his worst record, and this one I don't think he did a lot better. Um, Who was that again? Butch Walker. Oh, see, I saw people like in this like uh, this text group that I'm in just raving about it. It's it's not terrible, but for me, it's not. And it's not because oh well, it's just he's mature and he's getting older. No, the album he did that a lot of fans have is called. There's an album he did called Afraid of Ghosts that he did oh probably about five years ago, and a lot of fans. Had that at, have that at the bottom of their, their list. It's the one that Ryan Adams produced. And they put that at the bottom of their their list. A lot of people do. And it's just a very slow um, singer-songwriter record. And a lot of them hated it. So it's not, I guess what I'm saying is the fact that this is more of a singer-songwriter record, that's not why I didn't just fall in love with it. Afraid of Ghost is one of my favorite Butch Walker records. And I don't know. It just it hasn't grabbed me. But then again, probably haven't given it the proper attention because i just said i've been focused on one album you gotta wonder if he's just running out of material i don't know you know there's so many bands that as they get older they i've, I've never really understood that it's because it's not like well well the voice is going so it doesn't sound right no it, there's there's something some that can still make good music i always go to springsteen that last record he put was the best thing he put out in you know, over 10 years for sure. And might've been my favorite album he's put out since the eighties. So he can still put out good music. Um, the Afghan wigs are just got Greg Dooley is making some of his best music of his career. So some of them can, but that just seems like a lot of them, man, once they hit this, hit a certain point, they put out so many records, they, I just lose interest. I think a lot of them get too comfortable in their life. Yeah, maybe so, but I, I don't. I don't know why so many of them go down. Because you listen. I mean, listen to someone like, like Bono. He still sounds great vocally, but I don't have a desire to listen to a new U two record. No, they've become a caricature of themselves. Yeah, I just don't. I don't have. I I, I could care less about hearing a new Wilco record. Yeah, I was hoping since the latest one was going to have a country tinge to it, it was going to be good. But yeah. you know, I listened to it one time. Me too. Once, and I never played another song on it again. And Dean Delray said that was his album of the year until the new Afghan Wigs one came out. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, all uh, right. Hey, man, whatever floats your boat, it's just it's not for me. Well, speaking of happy, uplifting music, the. Uh, Subject of today's podcast is I've convinced Chris to do one more of these album reviews, which I love doing, and apparently you guys too, uh, because the downloads always go up on these. Um, we settled on The Cure's Disintegration. Now, I got to be massively into The Cure during the quarantine, and when Spotify put out their their list of where they basically show what all you listen to and how much you listen to it, 
I was in the top 0.05% of Cure listeners in the world. So um, <clears throat> I really got the Cure in it. I, I've got as many of their albums just about as I can afford on vinyl. Some of theirs, you know, are just two and $300. But Disintegration and um, was probably the one that got me into them the most. It's their definitely their most commercially successful album. And a lot of people think it's them at their artistic peak came out in 1989 and really just took them to a whole other level. Like if you buy the uh, deluxe version of it, there's an entire concert of them playing the entire album in Wembley stadium in London, which is huge in 1989. So, um, you were a cure fan long before me and you tried to get me into them for a couple of years. And as normally the way these things happen at some point, something just clicks with me and it, this album definitely clicked with me. Uh, it's one of the saddest albums you'll ever listen to. And I think it's one of the albums that gives cure kind of a, gives the cure kind of a bad rap. People just think they're this like super sad downbeat band. They're really not. They have some albums like that. They have some songs that are very happy and upbeat. And, uh, but this one does not have any of those <laughs> on it whatsoever. Well, there's a, yeah, for the most part, I'd agree with that. I mean, there's, there's at least one when we'll talk about it, we'll go track by track and I'll, I'll tell you what my thoughts on them. You know, this is one that I guess was probably, it was definitely one of the first ones I ever got by them. I, I think it was, it was, it was probably either this or that collection, that staring at the sea collection or uh, live the live one in Paris, uh, or in a show. It's just called Show, the live one. Was, I know those were th- my first three. This was definitely one of them. And, you know, it, I agree with what you're saying. They're, they're not all like this. They, they have three albums that are really somewhat in this vein, this, Pornography, and um, Bloodflowers, that I think are all similar. Not, not similar as far as how good they are, but similar stylistically. And, um, yeah, they, they definitely have a, the cure has that happy, sad sound and, um, yeah, but this, this record is, they, they dropped the, uh, the happy part and they went, they just went full on sad and, and it's funny. They, it was a change. I, I think you can hear a little bit of the elements of them head into this on kiss me kiss me kiss me and this one I, it's been so long since i read the book but you know i know you read it too david but lowell uh, tolhurst his book yeah he uh he he quit the band before this one was released and this album he just didn't get it uh didn't get it at all didn't like where they were headed and i guess i guess when you recorded you know albums like the head on the door then this is this one does go a little bit dark slower it's not what they were had been doing but it is kind of kind of surprising when you hear somebody that you, you hear something you think such a masterful piece of work and one of the guys in the band just wasn't feeling it but um yeah and it's it is interesting that this is the most successful record when uh it's the darkest and with the exception of a couple songs you can't find singles on this album. They they're they're too long. They're too slow. They're too dreary. A lot of them don't work. have a lot of them don't have courses really. Yeah, it's it's not. <laughs> they weren't shooting for singles on this album. I you know maybe they wrote love song 
or Lullaby trying to get a single. Uh, I, I don't know, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they probably didn't write for Robert Smith probably didn't write for a single on this. And uh, well, I think a lot know. of it has to do with the fact he was about to turn thirty. And it, I, I've read that that like I guess he went into a little bit of a funk. Yeah, it, but it's uh yeah, it's one that that definitely was the first one I ever got into, and I think that when this one is it, it does get thrown around around as not only their best album but one of the best of. It gets it's concerned around as, as their best record for sure. And um you know, I I think that it probably is their best album. That being said, I will go to the head on the door over this one most of the time. Just because even though I think this may be their best work, I'm not always gonna be in the mood to listen to this. You know, I can put on the head on the door and I could put that on anytime, anytime. Yeah. But this one, and if you're not in the right headspace and you put this one on, <laughs> hey, you might get a little worse. <laughs> have you ever listened to that mixed up album of theirs? Yeah, I have it. I, I like I like what they do with some of the songs on this. And then they put out an acoustic greatest hits album uh, where they all the songs that are on the greatest hits album they record acoustically. And there's some on here that are that are really really cool. All right, enough with the intro. I think everybody gets the point. This is a sad album. So we will start song by song, and we start off, lead off with Plain Song. And probably, you know, that's an aptly titled uh, title for the song. Um, I think it's very bold to start an album out like this. It's a song with a long, long build to it. It uh, starts off with some chimes that fade into kind of a booming Sith keyboard intro that kind of has an ominous feel to it that I think sets the tone for the uh, for the record. One of the things that's interesting about this album is a lot of the songs are really long, like six and seven minutes, and they have this like long buildup to them, which is not you know something you normally see with music like this. Um, and Smith's lyrics are buried really deep in the mix, but they you know convey a sense of dread i wrote some of them down i think it's dark and it looks like rain you said and the wind is blowing like it's the end of the world you said and it's so cold it's the cold it's like the cold if you were dead and you smiled for a second i mean you know that's how we're starting the album off so that's a good precursor of things to come um i like this song i know they have recently started some um, concerts off with it which i think is interesting but what are your thoughts on it I love this song and it's one of my favorites on the album. It, it really is. I, I, uh, I think it's, it's one of my favorites. It's one of the, I think it's one of the better opening tracks on a cure album. And I think that that intro, like you talked about the chimes and just the sound of this, it's just the build up. I just think it's, it's beautifully sad. If, and I, I just, I love that slow dreary opening. Yeah. I don't, not going to make it up and, and give you all this stuff about what he's talking about. Cause I really don't know. And there's not a ton of lyrics in here anyway, right. but it's, uh, I, I don't have a clue what it's about. You know, I, I guess if you, if I, if I had to pick, I'd say he's talking about a girl dying, but I, I, I don't know. It's just, I listen to this and I just, um, I envision a cold, dreary day. 
See, and that's, that's the way it makes me feel, but I, I love it. See, I interpret it, it's kind of like about the ups and downs of life and finding the person to do it with through the good and the bad. Because it's got this line, sometimes you make me feel like I'm living on the edge of the world. It's just the way I smile, you said. And I just kind of take that that like he has this like such deep connection and codependency that his world is going to, you know, he's going to see the world by whatever mood she's in. Uh, but I mean, all of these lyrics are open for interpretation, especially the way he writes. Yes. And I think there's one song, which again, we'll get to it. There's only one that I think it's just that there's, there's no denying, there's no confusion for what it is, what he's singing about. But all the other ones, uh, pretty much all the other ones, I think you're right. It's just uh, it's whatever you make of them, which I think is what a lot, a lot of artists, what they strive for is let it mean to you what it means to you. You know, that choose your own interpretation. All right. Song number two, Pictures of You. This one is probably a top five song for, for me. You know, we, we talked about this one. Like before. of the cure of every song of the cure. Okay. Yeah, of the cure. And I remember when we did a, we did one other podcast on the cure and it was just our, our top 10 songs. And I think the two of us and our guests, I think we all had this one. Oh yeah. And I think we all had it high. Right. But this one is, uh, it's a great song. I, I, uh, I did read that. Robert supposedly anyway that Robert Smith said that the lyrics were inspired by an essay written by I may butcher this name Myra, Myra Palio it's called The Dark Power of Ritual Pictures a picture portraying a past moment is a link a bond from which is hard to escape it makes you a slave unable to free yourself and being a slave to a photo means being a slave to a memory supposedly after reading that Robert Smith decided to destroy his old personal photos in an attempt to erase the past. And then um, Smith did admit that after torn the photos, he felt a strong sense of remorse. Then in another interview, he said that the song was inspired by a fire that started in his house. And afterwards he found a photo, found his own wallet containing photos of his wife, Mary and the cover for the single, the, that single shows one of those pictures. So I don't know, but um. Yeah, I love this one. I, one of my favorite lyrics in it is, "You were bigger and brighter and whiter than snow." Uh, I just think that's great lyricism. Um, 
you know, I, I think that I do believe it's always important just to have your own meaning of songs like we talked about. And to me, this song just represents missing someone from the past, you know, hanging on to those pictures, you know, hanging on to your memories of them. Um, yeah, I've, uh, I've always loved this one and it's, and there's just great lyrics all through it. That closing verse, it's with about a minute left in the song. I just think that his vocals, they're, they're so, they're so sad and, uh, just screaming of desperation. The way he just says, there was nothing in the world that I ever wanted more than to feel you deep in my heart. There was nothing in the world that I ever wanted more than to never forget the breaking apart. My pictures of you. Yeah. Your thoughts. I think it's, I think there's three songs that are centerpiece of this album. This is the first one of the centerpieces before we get into the actual song. It, to me, the MVP of the album is Simon Gallup on bass. He is, his bass on this album is basically, he plays it almost like a lead instrument. It is so instrumental, no pun intended, in setting the tone and playing a role in like the emotion of the music. Um, I think he's one of the most valuable bass players in any band. If you watch any videos of him live, he's the one that's running around on stage like a madman. Uh, I'm glad he's back in the band. It looked like for a little bit. <laughs> he quit for about a day and a half. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I I read the two things that you did about what the song was about. Um, I, I kind of look at it like it's about losing someone that was your world. You know, you have all this regret about how it ended, but there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, it's been so long that you now look at the picture, and that's all you can remember of the person is the, is what they look like in the in the. Um, in the picture and you try to put a positive spin on it, but no matter what, you can't move past it. Um, it's one of the longer songs in the career catalog. Uh, I think it has a great groove and repetitive nature that if you took away the lyrics would be very soothing to listen to. The, the live version is really good too on, uh, on show. I, I love that version, but this, uh, and I make several notes in here too, uh, about the, the bass as well. You know, about yeah. Simon Gallup's bass, and thank God he stayed in the band. And that, you know, speaking of the bass, I'm, as we go to the next track, Close Down, I don't have a lot really to add on this one. I like the song because I like every song on here. It's not going to be, it's not one of the standout tracks to me, but it's just a, a third song, third very long intro, which is a common trend. And this is one that I think uh, has a really cool bass line uh, by Gallup and a, not really much to interpret on this one because there's, there's barely any lyrics in it. Well, to me, sonically, it's related to Plain Song. It has kind of a very close, they sound a lot alike. Um, but I do like, you know, like you said, the bass on it is great. I like the very prominent synthesizer high in the mix. Um, you know, then you get this subtle guitar that kind of gives off a very melancholy tone. Uh, but I do have one here. The song has a really long buildup. Robert Smith has said that this is the centerpiece of the album. Um, and, you know, I mean, the lyrics are pretty self-explanatory. The, the protagonist has decided to close down for the rest of the world due, you know, due to being hurt over and over, kind of like Roger Waters' The Wall. Um, all he wants is true love and r- realizes that, it in the cards, that isn't in the cards for him. Um, the song, like you said, has no chorus and only one verse, which is kind of uh, different from uh, most conventional songs. So, well, I mean, another one of my favorite, like favorite songs that I just love from The Cure is off the another great opening track, but off of the prior record, "Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me," the kiss, and oh, that's an angry song, but very few lyrics in it. And I 
man, I love that one. All right, so the next song was the big hit of the album. It was probably their first really big, uh, no, it was their second big American release. Um, Just Like Heaven was probably the one that really broke them in America. Um, it's a very upbeat song on the album. It's, you know, it's the only happy song. It's a, he recorded it as a wedding present to his wife, Mary. And I think they'd been together since like high school. Um, once again, Simon Gallup is kind of driving the song. Robert Smith drops in a few guitar flourishes until the keyboard kicks in with the guitar to give off a slightly jangly sound. I, I have, it is the happiest song on the album. Uh, you know, the subject has undying love for that. Someone that, that fulfills all his needs. Um, he worked, like I said, he wrote it as a wedding present. Um, he has stated, he thinks it's the weakest song on the album. Um, and he said it was shocked that it went to number two in America. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, I think it's a great love song and I'm not, that not trying to make a joke. That's just, yeah, it's called love song, but it is just a great love song. And, um, yeah, this is the one that I was talking about. It is very straightforward. You you do at least know what he's talking about this. There's no denying. Like David said, he wrote it for his fiance. And, you know, the way I just interpret it, though, it, obviously it's a love song. But the way I interpret it, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of, I guess you could say Robert Smith's I Walk the Line. You know, it's that, that song that he wrote that I feel like it's his way of saying that he's going to be true to her even when he's out on the road touring. Um, just when he's, you listen to the lyrics, and that's just the way I, I take it. But it's a great love song. I, I think that, um, and this is one comment that I read on here. This, and this came in at this part on this song when I was looking at the song by song. And this really, it's not really what the, it's not really about the song itself, but about the album. And it's just, it's interesting to put this in here. But it says that, Supposedly, when they recorded in Disintegration, Robert Smith, um, he refused to speak during the sessions. said it's an idea he had to create a certain certain atmosphere, which he later blamed on the acid he was taking. He still communicated, just with written notes instead of talking. Odd behavior. But, uh, hey, it, it worked. Then, um, a couple things that I think is really cool on this. You know, I'm, I'm a, I've always loved the band Alkaline Trio and anything, anything that Matt Skiba does. Well, Matt Skiba, uh, I mean, of course, I think he's divorced from this woman now, but he uh, he had this as his wedding song, which I thought was so cool. And he's a huge, massive Cure fan. And he has love on the knuckles of one hand and song on the knuckles of the other. Interesting. Yeah, that that's a hardcore fan. Have you heard the 311 version of it? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I love it. It's one of my favorite it's covers. It's great. All right, so that moves us along to song number five, Last Dance. Okay, this is um, this is another one where I don't have as, as much to talk about. I'm trying to I'm get all mixed up on my notes here, man. I have them. Um, anyway, this is one that, uh, okay, here's my notes. It says that this was in an interview in 89 said, you may have had this, you may have found this too, David, but it said the song was the last dance was about someone that you meet and you haven't seen for a very long time. Said, I, I said, I used to have a very strong feelings for you and don't anymore. You suddenly realize it's a horrible sensation. Uh, this is another one that I, I like the song. I just don't have a whole lot to add on this. There's not a lot of talking points for me on this one. To me, it sounds a lot like plain song and close down. 
with the way it starts and kind of has like that mm-hmm. repetitive drum beat. I think you're right. It's, you know, it's someone who had a special person from his youth that he hasn't seen in a very long time. Uh, he was infatuated, infatuated with her when they were young, but now that they've met again, so much time has passed. They've both changed so much that uh, it's just painful, but realizes they're two totally different people now. Um, so this takes us to song number six, which is my favorite song on the album, Lullaby. It's a top five Cure song for me. I think this is the most groove-oriented song in their catalog. Simon Gallup is the MVP on this one. Um, and I got that, like the sense that the subject matter really doesn't fit with the theme of the album so much. Uh, and I'll get into that in just a second. But, man, the keyboard layered over that groove with Smith's slightly buried vocals. Uh, it's the band's highest-charting single in the U.K. Um, and I was reading an interpretation of it and it i'll read it to you the song's narrator describes a nightly visit from a menacing quote-unquote spider-man who's always hungry and looking for the victim shivering in bed the meaning of lullaby has been speculated by fans including uh as being about addiction depression or sexual assault and smith has offered multiple explanations as to its theme or content such as childhood nightmares or abuse One explanation by Smith follows that the song is about the disturbing songs his father sung to him as a kid and the horrible ending they would always have. Tim Pope, a longtime collaborator of The Cure on many of its music videos, interprets Lullaby as an allegory for lead singer Robert Smith's drug-addled past. Yeah, the only thing I I would just add is that he said, too, that that Robert Smith said the song's about having the fear of sleep. But this is one of the... It's one of the only upbeat sounding songs. It's one of the only ones that you could have even possibly chosen as a single, and they did, and it was a big hit for them. A very cool video. It's, uh, it's to me, it just does, it doesn't have this quite the same extremely dark and dreary sound as, as the as the other the tracks do. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you. This is a this is a great great song. And I think that's what Robert Smith wanted to be the lead single and the record company wouldn't let him. I believe that's what I read. Yeah. Now they're both. I mean, both it's funny. Lullaby and um, love song are both great songs. And yeah, there's some songs that people know, but there, there's not because stuff like uh, the next track fascination street, which we'll talk about in just a second. And, and pictures of you, people adore those songs but they couldn't back in 89 become big hits on the radio. Like I said, an album that's so big and there's really only two songs that you can choose. Yeah. Like I like to scream If you open your mind I'll come 
All right, the next song is Fascination Street. This is one of my favorite songs on the album. It's one of my favorite Cure songs. Um, kind of has a harder and angrier edge to it than other songs on the album. Um, it wound up being the lead single uh, after the... I got right here. wound up being the lead single after the label rejected Lullabies, the first song to go to radio. Um, I've read that it was inspired somewhat by A Crazy Night in New Orleans, but... Uh, it, to me, it just has this kind of like strong edge to it that a lot of Cure songs don't have. And um, I, I absolutely love it. Uh, they play it live a lot. It sounds great. Um, top 10 Cure song for me. So, Fascination Street, great song. This is you know, the common theme. Great Gallup bass line. I think, um, yeah, we've talked already talked about it a bunch. We'll talk about it more, that he really shines on the record. And... I just like I like the guitar playing a lot on this too. I really like yeah. the sound of the guitar, and I, I don't think that people don't often think about the Cure when they're thinking about guitar playing. But there's there's some really cool guitar all throughout their their catalog. Oh yeah, and I think this is one of them. I uh, I'm like you. It's a got an angry side to it. I mean the the lyrics, yeah. And let's move to the beat like we know that it's over. If you slip going under, slip over my shoulder. So just pull on your face, just pull on your feet, pull on your feet, and let's hit opening. Let's hit opening time down on Fascination Street. Um, cool lyrics. It does have like an angry vibe. This was is a fan favorite, but this one was supposedly only a single in the U.S. Yeah, it was not released as a single anywhere else. All right, that leads us to song number eight, Prayers for Rain. Now, if I start having like some talking bad about a few songs on this album, kind of we're getting into the, the area where that happens for me. Um, the song, I mean, read these lyrics. You shatter me, you, you shatter me, your grip on me, a hold on me so dull it kills. You stifle me. Infectious sense of hopelessness and prayers for rain. I suffocate, I breathe in dirt, and nowhere shines but desolate. And... Drab the hours all spent on killing time again, all waiting for the rain. Um, it, it, at this point, the long intros with the heavy synth and stuff like that, it's starting to get old to me a little bit. There's, there's two, we're probably like four songs kind of like that. Uh, I do like in the beginning, you get to hear like a piano for the first time, but, um, the song just sounds too much like others on the album. I do have that Robert's tone is a little more angry on this one than some of the other ones, but uh, this is one I actually skip. This is going to be the first time we disagree. This is, this is uh, always been one of my favorites on here. It's, um, I think it's possibly the darkest song on the album. Um, this and the next song, you know, they're, they're just very dark. This, uh, I think that the music is dark. His vocals are definitely more angry than sad. He sounds vengeful. He sounds pissed at a you know at a lover, someone who's possessive and drags down his self esteem. I did note too though it could also be about addiction and drugs taking over his life. I, I don't know, but I could see either one of those being uh, like I said, a possessive partner or addiction, because either way they both have the control over his life. And I just I I don't know. I've always thought it's just a killer killer song i think the guitar is very cool in this one i think it, it, it sounds like something that would fit very well on pornography to me this song would but yeah i'm a fan all right 
the next song, Same Deep Waters as You. Um, again, another one of my favorites on here. I, I just put, so I put a little note here that when you go, I, there's two, in my opinion, like really great one, two punches on this record, uh, plain song going into pictures of you and prayers for rain going into the same, the same deep water as you. Uh, I just think those are, that's the way I look at them. There's two awesome one, two punches. I think lyrically, uh, it could be a continuation for of prayers for rain. It's just a little less angry. Uh, I, I do. I love the soothing, the soothing synth that's on this song, you know, coupled with the thunder. Uh, yeah, it's very cool. I think, you know, this is one, I think that you could just, um, you know, you put, you, you turn out all the lights, maybe put a candle going and get you a bottle of uh, red wine and it will go very well together. And, uh, <laughs> I say that about this song, but I mean, I guess that kind of applies to the entire album. Put this album on in a, a darkened room and uh, get a nice bottle of wine. Good listen. You know, it's interesting you talked about it being kind of like a twin of the song before. A lot of people online said that uh, when I was doing research on it. Um, my interpretation is that the song's about two people going through the same ordeal together, most likely addiction. Uh, and their existence is so fragile that neither knows when it's going to come to the end for either one of them. Uh, very, very depressing, um, <laughs> very depressing song, which is like a lot of these. All right, so we go to the title track, Disintegration, which this is a song that's been a slow burn for me. Um, it's gotten better with for me over time. Um, I have on here that this sounds like a pornography-era Cure song with slightly better production on it. Um, to me, the song is about a cycle that keeps repeating itself with the subject having his life coming apart completely, yet only to repeat again. Addiction is the likely culprit. He leaves all that is important to him, such as his wife and uh, his family, to go down this dark path. Um, the music sounds a lot like the other on the album, except it's a little bit faster than, than like Plain Song and Close Down and stuff like that. Yeah, well, this one, just after after having a couple of really slow, dark songs, you know, they did pick it up a little bit on this one. Uh, still dreary, still sad. But I, the tempo's definitely up a bit. I think this one just sounds like a, a breakup song to me where he's just not happy with her at all. And you can pick a lot of the lyrics through this that would make it sound that way. I mean, just starting with the opening. Oh, I miss the kiss of treachery, the shameless kiss of vanity, the soft and the black and the velvety uptight against the side of me. And, and that's just one thing. I mean, I can I have the lyrics here. You can... You can just skint I mean, the stench of love for younger meat. Um, yeah, there's there's a there's a bunch of it. So yeah, so it's all come back round to breaking apart again. Um, yeah, now and now I know that I'm breaking to pieces. I'll pull out my heart and feed it to anyone. I'm crying for sympathy. Crocodiles cry for the love of the crowd. And the three cheers from everyone. Anyway, you get the point. Um, that's why I said I just think that it's a it's a very bitter breakup. All right, the next song is "Homesick," and I think this has some of the best lyrics on the album. Uh, I mean, I just see there's almost no way this isn't about addiction. Um, the he doesn't want to go home to see the damage and accept the consequences of his addiction, so he needs another hit to keep him from sobering up to see the tragedy that is life. 
Um, I do think the song, though, drags on too long on the intro, but the piano on the coda sets an ominous tone along with the stringed instrument, which I believe symbolizes that the subject of the song, it was a bad ending. Um, the, the part about, like, give me a reason not to go home, I mean, that's just, that's pretty dark, man. Uh, it's a haunting song, but it's very good. Yeah, I like this one a lot, too. Uh, and I just think the second half of this album, where some of it it, it starts to get old to you, I, I really love it. I, I I think it's, it's uh, it's real, they really hit their stride towards the end of this one, but yeah, I'm, I'm like you, the strings, just the, the violin, it's a great soothing touch, it, it's another one of these long, slow intros. Uh, I love the sound of his vocals on this one. I think his voice just sounds amazing on this. The tone of the guitar, uh, I, I agree with you, the, the lyrics, you know, that just one more and I'll walk away. I, too, hear addiction all in this one. But there is one other possible way that I think you can look at it, too. If you don't look at if you don't say it's addiction, it could possibly be about a, about temptation on the road and staying true to someone. Yeah, uh, I think that could be it as well. You know, I, I could see it being temptation, just, you know, nothing else. The title of the song, uh, maybe he's tempted to crawl into the arms of another. But and, and do that because of loneliness, not that I'm justifying, but maybe that's. So anyway, I think that I think it's one of the, it's probably one of the two. I, I lean towards addiction as well, but I definitely could see that you know fighting the temptation to to be unfaithful just because that loneliness on the road and not being with your significant other. All right, the last song is untitled. Um, I I really like this one as an album closer. I, I think and a lot of this too. I think it's not just great songs, but I think there is a lot of great sequencing on this album. Uh, I love the intro. I love the close and. At, this is a little bit more upbeat and to me when i listen to this one i can almost see the closing credits if i'm watching a movie if i'm watching a very dark movie i'm seeing the credits on this one you know this is a has that closing credits type song it it does sound a little bit more hopeful uh the song does his vocals do and i do think though it still sounds like it's about losing someone you know maybe about a love lost someone who's passed and it's just some of the lyrics would say that to me and not quite never quite said what I wanted to say to you never quite managed the words to explain to you never quite knew how to make them believable and now the time is gone another time undone so I you know I, I yeah, I'm not sure um I'm really not sure too because it could be about it is still one that you probably could throw towards addiction and I don't I don't really know how bad Robert Smith's addiction was at this time or any time in the cure. I, I don't, I think he's one of the ones that just stayed, whatever problems he did have, he was able to stay out of the news about it. Cause you didn't hear a lot about it, but the record, it does sound like he was probably one, somebody that did struggle a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The song starts out with an accordion and I'm like, what? what's going on here? Uh, as if we aren't already sad enough, we have to hear a sad accordion, but um, I think the the song has kind of a cool semi upbeat feel to it musically. This is mm-hmm. probably my favorite vocals by Smith on the album. They're a little bit higher in the mix and a little bit brighter, um, but I don't read it as much about addiction as just kind of the pain of regret that just will not die, even though he desperately wants for it to leave, and it just winds up being a cycle that keeps ending in heartbreak for him. But I mean, it's a great. I mean, there's no bad songs on here. There's about two that I could, you know, 
do without, but even they aren't bad. And and this is just a great way to close this album out because you wonder like with that theme of it, the heartbreak and everything repeating itself, like we've gone through all these different emotions and issues and he's just basically saying, it's all going to happen to me again. Yeah, no, I, um, we agreed on this one. You know, the, the both, I think we, sounds like we both, uh, are agreeing. It may be the strong, the best vocals on the record. It's not my favorite song on there, but it's maybe my best, my favorite vocals. And, you know, to quote a Butch Walker song, since we already talked about, about Butch Walker once, see an old song is called mixtape. He says, even the bad songs ain't so bad. And I think that's basically what you just said about this album. And, uh, I don't think there's a weak track on it. I like them all. And as I said, if I'm, you know, gun to my head, I might say, I'm probably going to say this is the best work that they, that Robert Smith ever did. That being said, I don't listen to it that much anymore. It's you, you've got to, it's got to be something you're in the mood for. And also it's, I don't think it's, um, with the exception of a few songs that we named, you don't just put on a random song. It's more of this is more of an album listen. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you got to sit there and listen to this from beginning to end. Whereas you know you can put on just listen to a couple tracks off of the Head on the Door. But as I said, probably their best record. But I'm going to choose the Head on the Door when I'm if I'm going to listen to a Cure record. That's the one I'm usually going to go for. And you know the Cure even um, but even that said the hat, the the Head on the Door had signs of what was to come on this when you have songs like kyoto song a night like this there are songs of this side coming but um yeah i mean it's it's one of those really just important albums in uh in music and probably one of the bigger more important albums of the to me in, in our life I, I just um this is one of those ones too that uh i think a lot of people love this one i think <laughs> It makes me think of the South Park episode too. I don't know if you ever saw this, but Robert Smith. I don't. I don't even remember the episode. But I remember Robert Smith was on it, and at the end, the uh, one of the kids says, like, scream, yells out to him, "Disintegration is one of the best albums of all time." Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this was fun. I always enjoy doing these. Maybe down the road we can uh, come up with another one that we can do together that we both like or have strong opinions on. Um, hopefully it won't be as long before you hear from us again. Thank you for listening as always, and we'll see you down the road.
Whoever 